Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered, episode 394. I'm your host, Blaine Putvey, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hello. So, um, Super Bowl weekend, uh, it's the Taylor Swift watch, and while we wait, the Canadians played two games and lost two games. It's a typical Super Bowl weekend. Yeah, it seems to be the tradition now. Um Anyway, so in this episode, we'll talk a little bit about the injuries that have happened. They're starting to pile up again. Um, what openings this provides, if any. Um, the the good and the bad from this weekend as well. So why don't we just kick it off with injuries. Um, RHP uh, was put on long-term injury and Odwai was called up. Then at the start of this game against the St. Louis Blues, Harris took a headshot. We'll talk about that hit in a little bit. And at the end of that game, Gooley went into the boards awkwardly. Not sure if that's ribs or his uh, shoulder, but either way, it did not look good. So in the span of three days, the Canadians seem to have lost three solid young players. Uh, I had hoped that the injury bug had been swatted, but it seems it's come back full force. Well, Harris's concussion, he'll probably be out at least three weeks. Uh, From what I've seen, he was pretty wobbly, wobbly trying to get up from the hit. The hit will probably be looked at. I don't know if he'll get anything, but it'll be looked at. Um, But uh, Harvey Bernard, I don't see as a loss, really bottom four bottom six guy but uh yeah it's gonna it, it's gonna open up uh something for joshua Wah anyway so maybe he'll stick up there for the season now that rhp is out um with Gooley's injury we're not sure how severe that is but given the canadians odds he's probably going to miss some time um but that could also open the door while well, baron will definitely get a call back up into the nhl uh hopefully he can have the recall like he had last year when he went down and came back up. Um, and maybe this opens the door for a uh, Logan Mayu or a uh, Mattias Norlander to get some time up in the, they're both left-handed defensemen. So, um, but they are short right-handed defensemen. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. Now, um, or the hit itself, the Harris hit. Uh, it, it happened just a couple hours ago. It was in the first period of the, of, uh, the game as we recorded Sunday. The game against St. Louis has just ended, and it happened in the first period. Now, he was kind of going down at the time that he got hit, and the hit was not necessary, but it looked like he hit his head with the hit, and then Harris hit his head on the ice when he went down. My take on the hit, my take on the hit, it was not malicious, but it was unnecessary. Uh, Yeah, it's, you know, he didn't need to hit him, but I don't think he intended to hurt him when he hit him. I think he was just finishing his check, finishing his check. Yeah. And it just so happened that Harris was on his way down to the ice for some reason when he did it. Uh, I, again, I think they'll look at it just because it was a five-minute major. Um, but who with the player safety, who knows what they're going to – it could be a 40-game no suspension. It could be a $3 fine. I don't know. So, my guess is it's nothing. Uh, my guess is that maybe the maximum fine allowed. Maybe, maybe. But I, I – Seven bucks. If it's any more than that, I would be surprised and 
I don't think it should be any more than that. So, yeah, um, it's an unfortunate hit, especially with Harris just starting to come back now and uh, starting to play his game again and getting some opportunities. But now we're looking at this and we're saying, well, maybe this opens some doors because he was in a rotation with uh, Arbor Jacki who honestly, the way this game went today would probably have been the better pick for the game, uh, considering how rough it started to get soon after that Harris hit. Well, I know Kovacevic got into a fight at the end of the game. Uh, Jaden Struble got a game misconduct. So, yeah, he would have been. Uh, but I think what the Marty St. Louis was trying to match Arbor Jack guy up with the known teams with known, uh, you know, like the Ottawa's, the Washington's with Tom yeah. Wilson and all that kind of stuff. Whereas guys like uh, uh, Morgan Riley. Well, we, I mean, Morgan, that whole thing is just a whole can of one guy shouldn't have done one thing and the other guy should have done something different than what he did. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, I mean, good on Riley or not, or good on uh, Greg to, Rile, rile up the uh, the Leaf fans. Steve Dangle said it perfect. He said he's glad uh, Greg did that because everyone forgets that they're actually in a rivalry with Ottawa, and when they and when the Canadian Tire Center is seventy five percent Leaf fans, he uh, you know opened that rivalry up again. But I, I kind of agree. I don't usually agree with Steve Dangle, but I kind of agree with that. But uh, anyway, it's it took away what it did is took away from all the diving that uh, Tim Stutzel does all over the ice and how Keith called him out on a, on live TV about yeah. how he's the biggest fucking diver in the NHL. No one's no one's even talking about that, so I'll bring that up just so everyone still knows that Tim Stutzel is the biggest diver in the NHL. I don't think anyone's really arguing that point. It's kind of a given. There's 100 Ottawa fans of the 205 there are. That say he's not a diver. Well, there's that. Um, but back to Jack Eye and Harris and the rotation. This now you're losing two defensemen. Gooley, like you said, we're not too sure yet uh what what's gonna happen, where he is, how or how he's gonna go. But this does make a this does open things up. Well, the Jack guy's going to get regular ice time now. He won't get scratched anymore. So you got Kovacevic that uh, he was already playing pretty much all the time. So, I mean, you still got six defensemen. Uh, you're just down to six defensemen now. So, because, uh, I mean, you still got Matheson, Savard, Struble, Jack guy, Kovacevic, and, no, oh, maybe you don't have six defensemen. You're down to no, five must... right now. Yeah, yeah, five. Sorry, you don't have. So you have to call someone up. So I would assume it's going to be Justin Barron. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, by all rights, watching um, watching the Rocket the last little bit with both Barron and Mayu there, you'd think that Mayu would get the call. But I think they need him to play more time and more games before they make that call based on his lack of games before he turned pro. Yeah, I, I think... Uh... Baron has the history. He has the NHL experience. Um, I think he, and plus, I mean, if Baron's not in your future, here's an opportunity, which what I think they might've been doing with Harris is to showcase him and say, Hey, mm-hmm. this guy still has all this potential in case there's a move. I know Harris was put on the TSN trade bait there recently. And I think that's just due to him. He missed almost three weeks of hockey sitting in the press box. So um, maybe they do the same with Barron because it's obvious Harris may not be available come uh, trade deadline day, depending on what his concussion's like. Um, and um, uh, they may not move either, any of them. I'm just throwing out speculation here. Like they're still young defensemen, they may not want to yeah. to part away from them just yet. Uh, but uh, so I would. I don't think it's going to be Mayu. I think it's going to be Baron, just based on experience and the fact that you're absolutely right. They want Mayu to keep getting the minutes down in uh, in uh, Laval. He's very successful this year. I think he's the top scoring defenseman in the league, or close to it, anyway. Um, and then you just gotta um, keep him down there, keep his momentum going, and maybe near the end of the season, 
you know, with maybe five, ten games left, you bring him up and give him a give him a little show just to see what he has at the NHL level. Because right now Laval is back in the playoffs. Uh, they're they like as we record today, they beat the uh, Toronto Marlies. I think it was six or seven one. Um, so they're they're in a playoff spot right now. They're doing well. Uh, Wab might stay up with the big club for a while now, and that could slow them down a little bit. But overall, um, the young guys are showing well, and the opportunities are there because of the injuries. You were talking about uh, trade bait and the deadline coming up, and I know Harris was on several different trade boards, and that's because the Canadians have so many good young defensemen. I don't think anyone's going to get traded until the summer, if anyone is, but you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just it. Like I say, they could be trade bait. They could be whatever, but I mean, I don't see it. Young guys like that. I could see them putting in a bigger deal for a bigger package. Like at the draft say, we'll give you this Winnipeg pick and Jordan Harris slash Justin Barron for your top 10 pick or your, this young player, you know what I mean? Zegras, maybe, or whoever. And again, I'm just throwing stuff out there. Like, I'm not trying to say they're going to trade this and this and get Zegras. I don't know what the price for Zegras would be. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see see that. But it does uh, make you wonder, because they're, they're uh, putting them on the trade bait board that obviously you know there's interest and there's and there's obviously there's talk so Logan Mayu's third in scoring for defenseman two points behind the leader I sorry I had to look that up I had to know for sure so I mean he is having an excellent season down in Laval and that's good he he was an all-star he he's doing really well offensively physically he is uh he's setting the tone defensively he still has some things to work on and that's fine that is absolutely fine yeah and and for an offensive defenseman most of them do have some defensive work to work on because they mostly play an offensive role uh it's you know no different than when logan hudson has to is ready to come into the ahl slash nhl wherever he starts he'll have some Mm -hmm. defensive stuff to work on. although he looked really good in the world juniors on his defensive side um And Ryan Barker will be the opposite. Ryan Barker will probably have to work more on his offensive abilities uh, when he comes over to North America as as opposed to his defensive. It's just the way a defenseman plays. If like You have rare guys yeah. like Gooley who are pretty good on both sides, no matter where they're at. I mean, good relative to the league, I should say. Like, Don't get me wrong, I don't think Gooley right now is a – top defenseman in the NHL, but he's going to trend no. to be a top two, top two way defenseman. Uh, same with, uh, um, uh, Jane Struble is going to probably be a, a awesome stay at home defenseman, like a really good stay at home, stay at home defenseman. And, uh, Jack, I, I think they're working on his two way game to make sure he's a better. So, I mean, everyone gets stuff to work on. They're only young. They're all wow. under 22. Um, but with Mayu and Baron going back to that, yeah, Baron definitely is probably going to come up. Mayu will stay, like I say, in the AHL and maybe get a cup cup of coffee in the AHL just to see how he handles the the spotlight, especially when the trade deadline's over and they're at the point where they're like, okay, let's just have fun and see what we can salvage out of the season. Because they're right now uh, with the loss of uh, Monahan, clearly. The depth at center is gone. You got Monahan's gone, and uh, Doc is out for the season. Uh, Dvorak is out for the season. So that leaves, that leaves Suzuki and Evans as your your top de- centerman. I know Newhook came back, and I want to talk about him as well in a second. And they have him at center, but he's not really a centerman. He's he's more of a winger, ideally. Now he's played excellent hockey in the two games since he's been back. He's been very very good. But as a center, there's there's better options uh, in the long run. But for now, that that's their only option. So considering that he's being forced in the role, I think he's doing well. 
Uh, New Hook, well, was drafted as a center when he got drafted by Colorado. He played center and junior, but he wasn't really, he's not really, he's not a play driver. And I think you need a play driver to be a center. He's more of a, you know, you guys do all the work and I'll uh, finish it off type guy. So I think in that retrospect, plus he's not very good at face-offs, but that's not all to a center's game. Um, yeah, and then you even, – even so, they want Newhook to be a top-six guy, then they can't bury him on the – like they, they can now because they don't have an option, but uh, uh, they can't bury him on the bottom line. And then you have uh, – who is the other defense under center? Condotta gets sent down. Yeah, uh, it's uh, – uh, no, that's – Ah, uh, it's the guy they called up from that they signed to the contract. Um, the oh, name Gignac, 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 yeah, Gignac, uh, yeah, yeah. Now the reason I'm distracted is, uh, as we're talking, it just pops up. Uh, now uh, the Canadians have announced that Raphael Harvey Pinard is going to miss four to six weeks. So that's that's long term. That's uh, that kind of points back to will Rouas stay up the entire time. Or is this another one of those cases of a rotation between him, Emil Heineman, or whatever other forward they call up? I think it all depends on how Waugh, like I had no issue with Waugh when he was up the first time in Montreal. I thought he fit in well. I thought he drove, he he, he was good on the lines. He he, he drove the lines. He, he didn't seem out of place. Um, he got a couple points. Um, so I have no issue just based on that with Waugh uh, staying up with Montreal. Uh, what I do have an issue with is Laval. Laval has a chance to make the playoffs, and with all these injuries, you're going to see Justin Barron and Joshua Waugh, maybe Logan Mayu, and all these players go to Montreal because, of course, the the parent club is the more important one. It's the one you got to fill out. It's the one that's making you money. Uh, but this could really hurt... Uh, uh, Laval's chance, but what could help Laval is if they put Allen on waivers and send him down to Laval uh, to clear up this two goalie thing. Because I'm pretty sure Allen's not tradable now. If I'm being honest, I don't think uh, his well, value is sinking. They're not really helping him now. I'll, I'll get to Allen here in a second. I yeah. just want to point out that Arouet in the game ten- today played excellent hockey, great along the boards played really well in traffic, created a lot of offensive opportunities, solid defensively. The kid is going to be a middle six NHL player, possibly top six. We'll see, but he does need more time in Laval, especially with a playoff spot. Now, with Allen, uh, having the three goalie systems really hurt him. He's not getting a lot of starts. I think the last start was about a month ago or two weeks ago or some nonsense like that. Mm. So he's not really getting the reps in. And then you throw him in onto an afternoon game on top of that. And his, he, he just, you're not setting him up for success, especially if you well, want to trade him. Yeah. Especially if you, you get sense of trading him now, NHL GMs are not stupid. They're not going to look at him and go, Oh, this guy's trash. Uh, they're going to look at it and say, okay, he's not playing very well under your three goalie system. Uh, I don't know how many games I'm going to get him into. Is this going to be an issue if I decide to put him into a game and he's going to sit, you know, two, two and a half weeks between games because we're rolling with our starter because we're exactly fighting for a playoff start. It's just this is what GMs are going to They're not going to sit there and go, Alan forgot how to play goaltender because, no, he didn't forget how to play goaltender. They understand Montreal as they uh, was on a back-to-back. They understand Montreal defense isn't top of the league, and they also – if their scouts were watching this game, they're going to say, well, they lost one of their defensemen in the first period. You know what I mean? And and they were basically playing with five defensemen. Um, so I know I see on Facebook, everyone's saying Allen's terrible, blah, blah, blah. I think his value is dropping, but I think it's not dropping because he's untradeable, which I kind of just said, but I think it's dropping because other uh, teams are like, okay, we got to fix our goalie situation, but I need a backup that if I put in in two and a half every two weeks, he's going to stop the puck for me. So far, you guys are only playing him every two weeks and he's not stopping a beach ball. So, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, is, is this going to work for me? Now, if he finds a team where they're like, okay, 
we're going with goalie A and goalie B until we make the playoffs, maybe it's a better situation for Allen because he's going to get those, you know, he's going to play once every three games instead of once every, you know, because right now I think it's Montembeau, Allen, Primo. So he's missing three games, four or five, you know, he's missing five games, six games in a row over a, a week and a half, two week span because of the three goalie thing. And uh, if he gets on a team where maybe he's going to play every second game or every third game, then maybe he gets into a consistent level and he'll, his play will go up. Cause we all know Allen's not a terrible goalie. I mean, at the start of the season, people were complaining that he was stealing too many points in too many games. And now because he's had a few bad games in a row, everyone's like, Oh, this guy's trash. So yeah, it, it doesn't really work no. that way. But for him, I think the best bet would be a team that plays a tandem, like you were talking about. Yeah. I think uh, Carolina is probably the only one at this point. So what this has done is it, it lowers his value, but more importantly is that it, it lessens the number of teams that would be in on him. Right. Because, I mean, you had uh... – well, at one point you had Edmonton and Colorado and New Jersey and Carolina and Toronto. Well, now I don't think Toronto is going to go after Jake Allen. That's more of a lateral move for them. It's going, you know, switching one below average goalie for another below average goalie. Colorado was just looking for a competent backup for Gregorov. Uh, yeah. New Jersey's probably looking for a starter that can consistently stay whatever. I'm not quite sure. Like their goaltending is kind of weird. Um, and does Allen fit into that anymore? Like maybe three years ago or what they're, they should have traded him before oh, maybe Christmas. Just three months ago. And they should have traded him before Christmas. And I think if they, that when the market was out there for before Christmas, they could have moved him. Maybe it wouldn't have been as much as what you might have gotten at the near the trade deadline, but from the way he's playing now, it could have been might have actually just been the same. So, um, yeah, I think uh, Hughes kind of made a mistake waiting on trading a uh, waiting this long to trade a goalie. Yeah, I think it he's holding to his he's sticking to his guns on value and all that, and that's good, but at, at a certain point. You're start, you need to start clearing uh, some of the added contracts. Now, when we get into the next uh, the next half, there's there's a rumor about one contract, but I want to stay with Alan here and say that I agree. He should have probably moved him sooner. And even if he doesn't move him now, I don't think it's detrimental as there's still you know, teams can make moves in the summer as long as they don't start the season next year with three fucking goalies. I mean, it's not detrimental to the team, but it's going to be detrimental to Primo and Allen. I mean, Montembeau's still getting – he's like I say, Montembeau yeah. will start-start, then it's either Primo or Allen, and then Montembeau for a couple games, and Primo or Allen. And really, you're, you're if you were that keen on not losing Primo, right, if that was your, your only worry, then you should have fixed this three-goalie issue a lot sooner because whether you trade Primo or you trade Allen, it doesn't really matter. Um, you knew you were staying with Montembeau. Um, so you should have, you know, to me, like, I just think this is the, this is the first glaring mistake I've seen by this management team uh, since they took over, in, in my opinion. Is, that and maybe, is it really maybe, that glaring though? I mean, no, it's, but it's bad, I'm but just, it's I'm not just saying, that bad. Like, like, I mean, Maybe the Josh Anderson for a first thing, uh, that's going to probably end up being a mistake as well. But uh, that to me, that is the biggest mistake. Not that is a huge, year. not trade him last year when the first was on the board to, uh, to, cause now yeah. you're just going to, and I mean, I, if you five and a half million isn't that bad of a contract right now, like in these, like, especially with the thing going up. So it's not that bad anymore, but you, you know, it's five and a half million dollars on a guy who's doing nothing. Probably going to be on your third line next year, and you've got guys that can play the role that he's got right now yeah. in the system that are coming up, like Slavkovsky. You know, uh, Luke Tuck is looking like he's going to be getting a contract. You know, it, there were he's he's kind of rare, but you've got people coming that could take the spot, and you're rebuilding so. 
you take the top value when you can take the top value yeah. and it opens up more money. I don't know. To I me, that's the bigger, hope, con- that would be the bigger mistake. Yeah. I think they just hoped healthy. He was going to be better. And a, he doesn't stay healthy and B this year. He's been healthy. He just can't hit the, he can't just can't. I don't know what it is. I don't, I really, look at him. I, I don't know what it is. Look at, by this time next year, we're probably going to be sitting there going, wow, it's amazing. He scored 30 goals. Well, I don't know. I, I find this year pucks go when pucks go to Anderson to die. As soon as the play, the yeah. puck gets on Anderson's stick, the play is over. So, Oof. yeah. Anyway, whatever. So, we're stuck uh, with. All right. <laughs> For now, definitely. Um, so, back to rumors and contracts. So, we've got a little bit of time before this segment ends. I want to get to one rumor about a contract. And it's it's really weird to say this, but according to the fourth period, uh, Joel Armia is getting interest from around the league. Uh, I think I said that on our last show that I wouldn't be surprised if people get interested in Joel Armia. I thought I think Joel Armia is having a pretty good season. He scored his ninth goal today. Um, he's playing well defensively. Uh, the PK, which was terrible tonight, but the PK over the last month has been really good. Uh, he's part of that. Um, he's one of those uh, bottom six guys who can give you a lot of his skill. He can he can stick handle inside a shoebox, and uh, you know, like one day he looks like Wayne Gretzky, the next day he looks like his brother Keith. But uh, um, I'm just saying, uh, on on a contending team, him playing on your fourth line would be an asset to any contending team. Now. I don't think you're going to get a first round pick for him or anything, but no, uh, no. Uh, I mean, you could probably get a solid third or maybe uh, if you retain, maybe a second, maybe, you I know, don't know. If you retain, kind of, that seems kind of high. That seems yeah. kind of high, but uh, at least a third, you could probably get at least a third. I wouldn't retain. If you retain, third, but... if you retain 50%, take a contract back, you'd probably get a second. Yeah. But you're doing more. For the other team yeah. and the other team's doing for you. But yeah, yeah, exactly. I can see that. But uh, I mean, and, I would rather, maybe I would rather risk a guy like Anderson on that and say, hey, we'll retain half of his cut, but then I mean, you've got retention now for two or three years, three or four years yeah. instead of just, just one. So, but and, Alan, and I felt that the, re- yeah, I felt the retention was being kept for Allen for a trade for him. Yeah. But at this point, if you can move Armia and you retain, I think that's that's also same. a good move to make. It's it's really the same thing because one's three point eight, one's three point five, so it's not like yeah. you're. It's just a three hundred thousand dollar difference, but uh, just it's just three hundred thousand dollar difference. It's it's not much pocket change in the grand scheme of things. Uh, on their level, not a big deal. On their level, yeah, it's not a big deal. Yeah, and for uh, us, that's a house. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> not even a house, uh, yeah. but. Uh, uh, you could do that for uh, Anderson too. Like again, you're not going to get the first pick for Anderson, but if you retain, you might get a a sweet second round pick and something else, maybe like a B level prospect. But uh, I don't see. But again, you'd have to retain for three more seasons, and I don't see them doing. It. Um. Yeah, but I, I'm with you. I thought I would assume the retention was for Allen, but. With the way he's been playing and the fact that the goaltending market's kind of getting fixing itself, um, yep. no one's going to want to get a back Jake Allen as their backup and still pay whatever half of 3.8 is, so 1.6 or whatever it is. So, uh, uh, no, 1.4. I don't know. Anyway, uh, either way, it, it's got shades of last trade deadline, like it's yeah. got shades of last yeah. trade deadline where. Everybody got hurt and you couldn't trade anybody. Now it's, I, you know, Jake Allen's not getting enough ice time or not. And he's not playing that great. So he's not going to be able to trade him. Yeah. I don't think he's not going to be. I, I don't think any player in the NHL, no matter what their contract is, is untradeable. You just not have to have untradeable. A, he's just untradeable for what we would want to get for him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think he's going to trade him for a seventh round pick because he knows that overall the, uh, the value is higher. Right. But and he's he definitely pro- not going to get what he was aiming for. And he could probably move into the offseason for something more when teams are yeah, more exactly. unsure about their goaltending situation going into the next year. Now, 
I mean, another guy they could retain on is David Savard. So I know he has talked about not really wanting, not looking at moving Savard, but I think a guy like Savard, if someone says, well, I'm going to give you a first round pick and a prospect if you retain 50%, I, I can't see Kent saying no. No. Um, all right. So we'll end the segment here. We'll take a quick break for some uh, commercials. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the games and special teams. So uh, stick around and we'll be right back. And welcome back. Uh, those were amazing commercials, but we'll move on. So Canadians played the two games this weekend, lost both. Uh, we'll start with the game in da- against Dallas. Uh, the Canadians could have won that game. They only lost 3-2. But when you get dominated in a for an entire period, you really aren't setting yourself up well. So that inconsistent play, we're seeing that again. Or still. I'm not sure how St. Louis is going to fix that. Well, when you have a young team, that inconsistent play should be expected a little bit. Um, however, as the season progresses, you would think it would not be as much like you think it would uh but i find every game they never i have i can probably count on one hand how many 60 minute games they've played um and i mean really dallas the two goals within a minute is what drowns them so uh um it's good to see slavkowski i know he was on the bench there telling the boys we got this we got this it's good to see him being vocal on the bench um you know and and the shot, man. The shot, Mister uh, the Dion Phaneuf is really helping him with the shot, and I, I really like to see that. So, uh, um, well, Mister Goal is Dion Phaneuf is just like playing defense for the uh, for the practices there. Yeah, if you saw the video, you'd know where. Uh, so Dion was at the blue line, making sure that he he had the stick out in the right way for him. Uh, yeah. He he looked a little bit more mobile than he used to during his game playing days. Wow, I mean. Yeah, he was shorter though. He looked shorter. I don't. It was weird. Uh, it looks like he lost some uh, height since his retirement. But uh, um, he's working with Mister Goal, and it's working because his last three goals have just been top shelf snipes. And uh, it was kind of funny because at the first of the season, all his goals were like garbage goals that kind of bounced off his ass, or you know, he poked yeah. in because it was just loose and you know, like. It, a Brendan Gallagher goal because it was loose in the crease and he just happened to be there. Uh, but his last few goals have just been snipes. Uh, Alex Chaudin, sorry, but you're, uh, I guess you're going to have to stop eating at the uh, uh, Poulet place there because uh, Caulfield didn't get a point tonight. So his 11 game streak is over, but uh, um, Slavkowski's on like a four game heater. So let's see if he heats up and goes and Suzuki's, I mean, I know there's a lot. I know we were supposed to get into something, but I know a lot of people saying Suzuki's a second line center, a second line. I don't see it. I see Suzuki as a point per game center, and maybe as soon as this year or next year. And uh, to me, that's that's good enough for me. I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with the guy. He's he's on pace to have more points than any Canadian since uh, Vincent Danfoos in 1996, I believe. So, which is kind of sad. Well, since. Kovalev in like 09 or whatever. Kovalev had like 80. Kovalev in 09? Okay. So I've read somewhere had Dan Foos in 96. So maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I've been wrong before. Now with Suzuki, I mean, uh, so Hughes has gone on and on saying that he would rather have a Bergeron type player, someone who can uh, make the others around him better as opposed to some superstar who can hog the puck or whatever it is that they were going on about. And Suzuki is that type of player. I'm not saying he's the next Bergeron. I'm not saying he's the next, you know, dominant Selkie trophy winning center. What I'm saying is he's that guy, that two-way guy who does all those little things that help his, t- his line mates look better. He's able to get pucks to them through traffic. He's able to win battles. He's able to cover for them defensively. He does all those little things 
and he's still putting up points. I mean, he's on pace for what, 76 points? 76 points. points. And, and you're right. It was Kovalev 1108 with 84. Yeah. So, so you look at you look at his play, and now uh Caulfield is a more complete player as well. Granted, he's not scoring at the pace that they had hoped for, but when you're on an eleven point uh, eleven game point streak, it's not bad. Um and with Slavkovsky now playing on that line, we've seen it over the last couple of months. He's gone from a tentative player who can barely stand up last season to a big physical power forward who's finishing his checks, who's winning his board battles, who's getting to the net, who's causing trap, uh, uh, causing havoc all over the ice. And more importantly, we talked about this earlier in the season where he he wasn't getting a shot off quick enough. Like he would juggle with it a little bit, not release quick enough. Now that shot's coming off a lot quicker. And you, you mentioned he was working with Dr. Shot. It's showing like that shot, even if it's not going, if he's not scoring on it, he's getting those shots off a lot more often. Now he's got a lot more chances in the slot. He's getting more shots from the slot and it's starting to pay off. Yeah. And he, uh, like I was just, Doing the numbers there, he's on pace for a 36-point season and 17 goals now. Uh, if you take away since Christmas, he's on like a 56-point pace or something silly like that. So, uh, um, I mean, Suzuki's now on a pace for 76, maybe 77 points because he got a point tonight. Um, and Caulfield, Caulfield's on pace for 60-some-odd points this season. So that entire line, and this will get into our one, we're going to talk about the team being a one-line yeah. team. That entire line is probably one of the better lines in the NHL right now, right in this time period. I'm not going to sit there and say, but right in this time period, they're probably one of, I mean, like you say, Caulfield on 11 point streak. Uh, Koski's on like a four point streak. Suzuki's on five or, you know, like they're, they're scoring and they're scoring in every game. So that's what you want from your top line. Um, They're also not, getting pinned in their own zone as much when they're playing against the, the other top line either. Um, I mean, that has a lot to do with Caden Gooley and how he has been able to ghost and shut down some top players like Sidney Crosby, Nick Robertson, uh, Alex Ovechkin, and all these guys uh, with his defensive play. Now, that's why losing him could be a big loss in that factor. But uh, so we're looking now you can honestly, you can, you can say as a Habs fan, we have a first, we have a line, we have a first line, we have a line that we're going to go, you know, like what you had with Pasternak, Marshawn, and Bergeron. I'm not saying they're going to be as good and score as much as those guys. I'm just saying, you looked at Boston as a one line team for years, uh, but they just filled in the rest of their team with guys that were good enough. That were, you know what I mean? That, you know, they, they had a great penalty kill. They had a good power play. And that line did all the scoring. And they had uh, moderate secondary scoring. And they made the play. Now, they never won a cup. But they, they made the playoffs every year. They won a president's trophy. They they became a good team. And I think that's what Kent Hughes is trying to convey here. Say, okay, no, we don't have that generational superstar talent. Do we want it? Of course we want it. Who wouldn't want it, Right. However, we're going to turn this team into a good team by using guys like Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield and Slavkowski and, and Kirby Doc when he gets it back. When he gets back, um, I think fans look at this team and think, "Oh, we don't have that uh, that high scoring, high Guy Lafleur, Kucherov, McDavid type player," and uh, I think. Once everyone's back and healthy and we get this draft pick this year, and he, he is this good scoring young uh, uh, offensive player. I don't think we're that far off. I don't think we're that far off wow. from, from having two solid lines. And then now you just got to take your third and fourth line and go, okay, you know, what's going to make these two lines? Fourth line doesn't matter, but what are we going to make this third line? If you got three solid lines, your fourth line is just, killing eight minutes of hockey a night to give everyone a rest. Uh, you just want to make sure that line isn't going to get scored on eight times in those eight minutes. <laughs> True. So, um, but 
Now they are a one line team right now, and like right now Boston, they are, yeah. yeah. So Boston, like you mentioned, they had uh, that good secondary scoring. Well, with the Canadians, you're looking at ha- if Doc were healthy, uh, Newhook healthy all year long. You have Doc and Newhook. Now you look at uh, Joshua Roy. There's a guy who can be on your your top six. So now you ha- you'd have two lines that that could reasonably create offense and hold up again defensively against a top six anywhere else. Then you're looking at they've got that depth they have to keep building on, but it's coming. The power play this year, getting over to special teams, because I think that's a big difference here. Last year, they sucked horribly. This year, they started off looking like shit, but have really come on as of late, uh, at least since the uh, the December road trip. You're looking at about 22, 23% over that time frame, which is which is good. I mean, it'd be middle of the pack. Uh, they'd be around 16th, 15th in the NHL. So that's middle of the pack with that. That'd be acceptable for a, to, for a team to be a playoff team. Now it's the penalty kill. The penalty kill sucks ass. It has for most month, of the season. I will say for January, it wasn't too, too bad. Uh, no. The last four or five games, it was pretty good. But you're right. It, it's one of those... Their penalty kill is one game. You look at it, you go, man, this penalty kill has been really good. And then the next yeah. game, uh, you're like, oh, my God, this is just what's going on here. It's freaking terrible. Um, I find their oh. penalty kill, it's almost like they just, oh, okay, they have a power play. We'll just go set up in our box. Let them come down and set up, and hopefully they won't score. Like there's no uh, there's no attack. There's no pressure. They don't. They don't pressure anyone. They don't. They just sit back and hope David Savard stops all these pucks coming in. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. Like, I don't know who runs their PK. I think it's, uh, I think it's, I don't know who runs their Robida. PK. Robida, yeah. And I suppose. Uh, I, I'm assuming. Um, and the, I just finally just come back. They get in their box and then they just, do this you know this that was the difference in the game today against st louis st louis uh took advantage of pretty much every power play now they didn't score on all of them almost but uh they did generate a ton of momentum every time and with the league's third worst penalty kill that's not a surprise um and not at all you're right they're not very you're right. They're very, very passive. Uh, St. Louis had several times where they they kind of juggled the puck a little bit on the on the the outside, and when a, t- a player is having a hard time controlling the puck, that's when you want to see the aggressive play, attack. Yeah. But they didn't, and it cost them. Uh, they were three for five in the power play today. So yeah, that just goes to show you how terrible that was. Um, it's a field goal right there. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, you know, that's a big, big issue. But I mean, David Savard's your best penalty killer. Armia's a good penalty. Like they have some guys who are good penalty killers, but when you only have one or two guys that are good out there and the other two are just standing there, there's not much you can do really. Um, And of course he had a night like tonight where Jake Allen was, I don't know what Jake Allen was doing. So um, he had a bad game. He, he did. Put, he, yeah. Put all those factors so. into it, and you can understand why they were three for five in the play. But you're right. The power play to me has been up and down. Uh, near the start of the season, it was bad. Then they went on that streak where they were like uh, scored like a power, at least one power play goal in like eight straight games. And then it went to shit again. And then now it's kind of uh, turning. But like we said before, why is the power play looking so good? Because Slavkovsky, like even on that five minute, their goal was scored just after the power play. Uh, and it was still five on and four. It, and, it, and it was still five on four because the guy technically didn't get back into the zone when they scored. And what a beautiful pass by Slavkovsky, by the way. Um, but uh, it's because that top line, the top line clicks, it's working. Monahan was in there and he was helping out. He's gone now. And I believe Newhook is now in New there. Newhook's in that spot, uh, in the bumper spot. And he's doing really well. He's doing really Matt, well. There. 
Matthewson starting to actually pass with Lukowski, and uh, I don't know if someone said something to him, or but I do notice in the last few games a lot more passes going over to his uh, right side than just to his left side, or shin pads, or whatever he decides to do. Um, so that's that's good, and it's working. Uh, that first power play unit looks good. The second power play unit, I don't even know if it's members of the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know who's on the ice for the second power play unit. I think it's just a bunch of guys in hats. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, Gooley was on the second wave, and he was doing yeah. well there. Uh, yeah, but... What is it? Anderson, Gooley, Evans, Pearson, and I don't know, Gignac? Uh... No, well, they kind of rotate depending on who was on the ice last. But I mean, who do they have? They don't, I mean, let's, let's, okay, yes, we're making fun of it, but who do they really have to put on there? They don't have anyone to put on the second power play unit. Like, Anderson. Wow, would be a good choice. Your call up, you got him there for an offensive, uh, for offensive play. You do, but let's, bring him up. Let's, Tone it down. I think he did the first time he was up. I did think he did get some power play time for, if if I recall. I don't think it was much, but it's the same thing they did with Slavkovsky. He kind of worked his way to it, and then yeah. they wanted to make sure Slavkovsky was ready to, you know, do that. And I think they're going to do the same thing with Watt. I don't have an issue with that. I see what you're saying, though. I get it. If that's what he's there for, put him in the situations. Let him seek. Don't let him seek or swim. But at least you can see if he's ready, or at least you can see if he's going to make the adjustments needed. Um, I don't know. Like, it, it'd be interesting. It'd be it, like, say they call up Logan Mayu, are they going to pop him on the, on the, on the second power play unit, or are they going to maybe Absolutely pop him on the should. first power play? They should. It's what he's there for. He's an offensive defenseman. Um, so it, it's, I mean, like I say, this would be a whole different story if Doc was healthy New hook stayed healthy. I mean, then you would have two power plays where you're like, okay, you know, if this first doesn't score, well, they, they do have a chance on the second, right? So right now which it's makes, if the first if the first doesn't score, you might as well forget about it. Yeah, and which makes the uh, the fact that the power play right now is middle of the pack in the NHL that much more impressive. Yes, yes, because it's really just the top power play unit that's doing all the really it's yeah. Let's be honest. It's four guys. Well, Mass. I can't. I can't exclude Matheson, but uh, um, yeah, it's it was a five man unit that just worked well, especially with with uh, Monahan there, and uh, he's yeah. going to be missed. But like you say, New Hook's playing well in that bumper role. They're 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 doing all right. It's going to take a little bit of adjusting. Uh, I personally think Slavkowski would have been a good guy in that bumper role, but uh, they seem to New like Hook him on the half to- wall. So and having it's working. him and yeah. yeah, and it's working because it, so he's got a great shot. So why yeah. not? That means okay against against P, against you know uh, uh, Dion Phaneuf. It looks really good, but you know, it, fair. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, to be fair, he is in Montreal and he does have to go around a lot of pylons. And that's true. That's true. So he has lots of practice for it. Yeah. He does. He does. Yeah. There's there's all those construction pylons on the way to the the rink. Um, all right. So yeah, the, the rest of this season is going to be difficult to watch. There's going to be a couple more guys likely traded, but it should open up some, some opportunities for the younger guys, especially as we mentioned in the first half, this rash of fucking injuries hitting again. Well, like I say, let's hope ghoulies maybe just had the wind knocked out of them or, Mm-hmm. whatever um harris that's a that's i wouldn't say that's a big lot like you're looking at it now go is this a big loss well no not really but it is considering the depth so you know you're losing harris okay well now we got to bring up baron or mayu now you're you know whereas hopefully in another year or two you lose a player, you have that guy that can step right in and yeah, it might be a little bit of a loss, but you're not, you're not like, Oh, we lost doc for the season. The season's over. And I was like, Oh shit, we lost doc for a couple of months, but you know what? Beck can, Beck can hold his own in that position. He's probably not going to get as many points, but he's not going to, he's not going to hurt us either. That That's where we have to get to. And we're far from that right now. So. 
And because of this lack of depth, what we saw today in that 7-2 loss to the Blues, it was a weak start to the game for the Canadians. Uh, but in the second and third, they outplayed uh, St. Louis. They they had uh, almost 60% control of the game, uh, puck possession-wise, in the second and third periods. But Allen having a bit of a, uh, having a tough time, let mm-hmm. in a couple of goals that he probably wouldn't mm-hmm. have wanted to. And, uh, that weak start, yeah, and the penalties, uh, and the shit power play, and <laughs> shit penalty kill on top of that, it really yeah. did not help the Canadians. So, in in this game, um, I mean, against Dallas, they didn't have the same penalty problems, and they were almost able to pull out a win. Now the Blues are fighting for a playoff spot, so they're a little bit more, um, they were a little Hunger. bit more structured and just the the desire was there to win whereas the canadians they know they're not making the playoffs and they are playing for jobs but at the same time the lack of depth hurt them it it, uh, it's same with last year and i guess when you're in a rebuilding team you don't really have the depth um but like i said i think they're i said earlier i think they're only one or two pieces of that four line away from starting to pull up once this defense gets put into structured um then i think they're i mean a healthy team this team healthy with the right draft pick and maybe the right moves in the offseason you could see them looking at a playoffs wild card spot i'm not saying they're going to get it but they could be like well, it's right there right um well, healthy. they've been healthy all season. They're they're a borderline, just outside the playoff picture type team. Well, and it's basically with the way this year went. Like we were saying earlier, if they get eighty points, which was what we predicted before, yeah, eighty points last year was not that far out of the playoffs. No, eighty points this year, you're still a bottom ten team. So it's 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 like, but like Montreal right now, they lost today, or as of yesterday, I don't know what it is today, but as of yesterday, they were eight points from a playoff spot and eight points from drafting fifth. So, <laughs> you know, like they're, well, let's you just know, see. Last, bring year, it up right la- now. last year, if you were they eight are, points from a playoff spot, yeah. you were probably drafting 12th or 13th. They are 10 points out of a playoff spot. And they will be, they are currently drafting. Seventh. That's what they were seventh. yesterday. Yeah, they yeah. Were, that's what they were yes, after yesterday's game too. And the issue here is clearly the uh, the goal differential for them. It's, I think they're one of the worst in the NHL with goal differential. Let's, uh, let's just take a look. I wouldn't doubt they it. They are fourth worst team with just ahead of Columbus. Yeah. yeah. Washington's not too far behind them either. And you know what? Brian Wild made a good point of the first of the season. He goes, oh, it's not the goals we're putting in that we got to worry about. It's the goals staying out of our net that's going to be the issue. And and he's not wrong. And he wasn't he wasn't wrong. Like, I mean, last year, I think I did the math. They were five goals away from actually being a three-goal-per-game team. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you had Caulfield all year, you would have you would have reached that. I don't know what they are this year. I didn't really look at. They're it. about the same. They're a little bit better, I think. They're they're yeah. slightly better, but uh, defensively, again, they're slightly better, but they're not not good enough of an improvement right. defensively. I think they're still. And, last year they were giving up close to four goals uh, goals per game, and now it's like three point eight. Like it's it's better, but it's not really. Yeah, I I know. I I would say it's about the same. I wouldn't even say it's better. Really, yeah. it's just. Uh, but but not really funny going back to injuries and say we're going to an injury train. Funny thing is, this year Montreal has five players who've played every game so far this season, whereas last year they had one, and only one other player had more than seventy games, and that was Kovalchuk. Right. So it's pretty. Uh, when you look at it that way, you're like. That's pretty wild considering, um, yeah, the Canadians uh, still have all these injuries, but they still have five players who've played. Yeah, so Kovacevic played 77 games. The next guy to him was Josh Anderson at 69. Josh, you dirty boy. Uh, 
but that is that is a good step forward when you think about it that's a good step forward yeah exactly so it's while the injury bug is biting again it's not quite where it was the last couple of years it isn't but it's it's still to significant players that uh yes yeah you know like i wouldn't care if and don't take this the wrong way but i mean if Harvey Pinar got injured for the season. I'd be like, well, you lost Harvey Pinar. Uh, well, okay. I mean, I thought Harvey Pinar was really good at killing penalties when he was, when he was playing. He was. Uh, and yeah. uh, so he lost that, you know, like, or if I don't know, Joel or me, I get injured, you know, or Pearson got injured. I wouldn't be all, or Anderson at this point or Gallagher. I wouldn't be all, ah, oh no but we're losing Doc and we're lo- like last year, Caulfield and Slavkowski and Doc. And I mean, Dvorak, people will say, Oh, who cares about Dvorak? I think Dvorak's That's a big a solid loss. Th- I think it's a big loss. He's a th- solid third line guy. He kills penalty. He's great on the face off. That is a loss. So I don't care. Especially, kind of guy- especially when you're losing him, especially when you're thinking about all the added pressure on Suzuki. Like he could take away a lot of that defensive pressure, and especially when you know you're trading Monahan. Like I mean, right yeah. now it's it's Dvorsky as your second line center, not Evans. Who would you rather have? Well, if you say Evans, then you don't know hockey. But uh, and I'm not looking at divorce Dvorak as this. I keep saying Dvorsky for some reason. I'm not looking at Dvorak as a uh, as a scoring center that's gonna. You know, he's not. He's a two-way third-line center that plays a solid game in his own end and occasionally pops in a goal or gets a few points. Um, But I'm a solid third-line center. Solid third-line center, and that's what he's been playing, and I don't see what the big complaint is really about him, but people don't. I think it's because we gave up a first. The only first Mark Bergevin traded was for Dvorak, so... Yeah. I think oh, I think way. Hughes is made up for it though. Oh well, yes, for sure, for sure. I mean, Dvorak was at a fifty-nine point nine percent face-off rate. So I hear that's good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's the best on the team. Actually, the best on the team is Jesse Yelonen at seventy-one point four, but he only had seven face-offs. So technically, still good. And then Anderson's next at 62.5. And he's and had 16 face-offs. Yeah. <laughs> now, I know a lot of people like to uh, poo-poo the face-off numbers. Oh, face-offs aren't that important. But when you're a team like the Canadians, who absolutely need that possession to compete, it's very important to start a shift with the puck as opposed to chasing the other team to get it. Well, not just that, but you look at a team who has a porous PK or power play. If you win most of your face-off, it makes your PK and power play that much better because you have exactly. possession of the puck more often than not. So, uh, yeah, and, and and looking at it now, every Montreal center has over a fifty yeah has over a fifty percent face-off rate. Well, I mean, New Hook is, but every actual center. Uh, we're looking at Dvorak, Stevens, Monahan, Suzuki, Evans, and I'll even say Condotta, all are 15 above in the faceoff. So, so Montreal really improved their faceoff game this season as opposed to last season. When well, I think it's been what 10, 12 years since the, the Canadians yeah, can the last two centers with 50 percent or more. Last like even last season, all they had was Monahan at 55 percent, Dvorak 52, and Evans 52, yeah. and then Suzuki was 47. So. Yeah, another area that Suzuki's improved. Hoffman, 57.1, and we got rid of the guy. Jeez, imagine that. I don't get it. I don't get it. My God. Yes, Suzuki, 53.7. So he actually went up by almost six points on on the faceoff. So, Um, yeah. Good for him. Now, the Canadians are... I mean, now we're watching, it's a lottery race again. Ottawa's starting to win games. I mean, you know, they they got guys who can just slap that puck into open nets. Uh, Buffalo's a couple of games behind. Uh, they got a couple of games in hand. They're only two points back. Arizona's a even. They got a couple of games in hand. 
So the Canadians could easily slide further down. Um, and with a couple more trades, they probably will. So I listen, they are improving. They are, they're doing exactly, they're doing exactly what here at Habs Unfiltered wanted them to do. They wanted individual players to improve while the team slightly improved, but still kept that good position to, and I said, and I'm going to be wrong again this year. I said, they'd be healthy. I said they'd be drafting 10 to 15. I still believe that. I still believe healthy they would be, uh, but unhealthy they won't. Uh, and they're going to draft top five. Of course, everyone on here are probably bad takes. The uh, haves bad takes guys probably going to throw that on there. And that's perfectly okay. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, just so so people know, like, I, I did say if healthy. But of course, people I... are going to look at the. They're going to look I heard it. They're a bottom, you said it. They're, they're a bottom five team. They're a bottom five team. Well, yeah, but no, not on paper. Anyway, at the start of the year, looking at the lineup with a healthy lineup, no, they were not. A and bottom, and they, they weren't the year before, but they weren't the no. year before. But here we are. But now they, they're looking at a top five pick again. Uh, in this year's draft, there's a lot of really good young players. So it's seeing young guys improve slightly or exponentially like Slavkovsky has, and then seeing the team improve somewhat, but still drafting high, I think is the ideal position to be in at this moment. And if the scouting goes the way McKenzie says it's going to go, which usually is pretty close, there's going to be three defensemen in the top five. So that means that one of Demidov, Lindstrom, or Catton or Ginla, if you think he should be there, is going to be available to the Canadians at five, six, or seven, wherever they decide. If they pick fifth, they're getting one of them. If they're six or seven, yeah. they still have a chance to get one of them. So I'm kind of hoping it's Demidov, just so they can watch everybody's minds just explode. Oh my God, they picked a Russian. Yeah, they picked the Russian they wanted. I th- I'm hoping it's Demidov or Lindstrom. If yeah. it's not Demidov, I want to be yes. Lindstrom. But uh, to me, they're if they one of those guys on the board and they go off and pick, I don't know, some defenseman, I'm done. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I have no idea what this team is doing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I wasn't fully on the Reinbacher pick right away because I wanted a Leonard. I wanted Ryan Leonard. But – after I looked at it and I saw that he was actually wasn't a reach, it wasn't a uh, you know, and I saw what they were. I see the plan. I was like, okay, I get it. I get why they picked Reinbacher. So, well, now, uh, all right. So we're coming to the end of the show. Um, any final thoughts? Uh, no, not really. Just uh, just remember, this team is hurt rebuilding and you know just you know get pucks in deep go to the net work hard you know don't take your foot off the gas 110 percent. yeah put 110 percent. you know the boys are all playing for each other we know what we have slap that puck into the net slap it right into the empty net every chance you get <laughs> All right, so now uh, with uh, the Super Bowl happening tonight, um, who do you have? Do you have the 49ers or do you have the Taylor Swifts? I could care less about this Super First time in a long time, I could care less about two teams in a fo- football game. Uh, I'm a Steelers fan, as I, everyone knows. Our buddy Chris Puzzy is a huge 49ers fan, so I know who he's with. Personally, I don't like Patrick Mahomes, so I'm going to go with the San Francisco Giants. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope Purdy throws them. But, uh, and it's not, and I don't care about the Taylor Swift thing. Like, if you want to blame anyone, blame the NFL and the, and the station that keeps going to her. And if you really think about it, it's a perfect strategy, per- perfect uh, uh, strategy because now they're getting all the fans that didn't watch football before watching football just so they could see Taylor Swift. Exactly. So, what Maybe we they- need now is Slavkowski to date Rihanna or someone like that so that she can go to all his hockey games and then make hockey popular. Beyonce. 
No, we just need Taylor Swift to dump Kelsey, write a song about him, and then start dating the Slavkovsky. Well, you know what's going to happen. Well, personally, I want to, I want to see Taylor Swift on the screen for more than one minute in the game because that hasn't happened yet. And I want to see the absolute chaos that'll hit Twitter because of it. Oh, my God, they've ruined football. While everyone's watching commercials versus the game. I mean, I'll be honest, that's what I'll watch tonight now that we get them in Canada. I'll be watching the commercials. I don't care about the halftime show either, but uh, yeah. Was it uh, the, the the guy singing the uh, thong song? Is that who it is? No, it's Usher. Oh. Who I don't know what Usher I don't know what Usher sang. I know Usher. I just don't know, really know. I don't listen to him. I don't know what he sang. Yeah. I'm sure he'll be fine. Reba McIntyre singing the anthem though with with uh, what's his name? Post Malone. Canadian. It's Post Malone Canadian? I think so. Oh, no, that's the weekend. Yeah. You know, he did the Super Bowl a couple years back. Yeah. Oh, well, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, uh, go commercials. Woo! <laughs> I already seen most of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, just to, all right. So, we'll, we'll end it here. Uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate your uh, your interaction with us. Uh, keep sending your your emails. Keep uh, sending us your comments. Um, check us out on YouTube. Like and subscribe. We're slowly growing there. Um, we'd like to have a few more people. We're going to put this on YouTube as well. Um, so thank you all for listening and watching. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.